0: Hey, what's up? Just popping in real quick to say that horseflies are the biggest goddamn disgusting menace on God's green earth. Ow! I've probably killed, I'm not exaggerating here, about a hundred horseflies in the past eight days. And those are just the one that got their pinchers far enough into my skin that they can't extricate themselves in time for me to smack them. My Wikipedia searched horseflies when I last had LTE because I just, I honestly wanted to know why. Like, why do they hurt? Why do they bite? What the fuck are they doing? So, it turns out that horseflies, ow, need um, a blood pool to lay their eggs. So not only are they digging their teeth into me and tearing off chunks of my own flesh, they are sucking my blood to lay their larvae. Isn't that cute? I am covered in fly guts and my own blood. All mashed together on my legs and arms. So, just FYI, in case you wanted a visual of your girl Monarch right now, there you go. Ow! Fuck! Hey guys, it's Monarch. Welcome to the trail. I just left Mariah's Pass off Highway 2 in the Lewis and Clark National Forest in Montana, just south of the Glacier, and now I'm walking into a stretch of wilderness called the Bob. Um, it's the Bob Marshall Wilderness, but it's, it's the, just the Bob for short. Apparently, the Bob is famous around here. Not in, not in a good way. Uh, when I stayed in East Glacier before I went to go see Jack for the fourth in that six dollar hostel that I told you about. My two roommates were from Montana and um, Allie, who is one of the girls, grew up hearing horror stories about the Bob from her grandpa, who according to her is like the quintessential bearded Montana mountain man. So, everyone is intimidated by the stretch of wilderness because there's nothing out here. From the moment I left Mariah's, I've been walking toward a totally untamed wild, one of the last and largest untouched forest preserves in the continental US. It's 180 trail miles from Mariah's Pass to Highway 50. My next resupply is in Lincoln. So, now I guess I'm only 179 miles away from civilization. <laughs> oh, since this is my journal, I'm allowed to say that I'm scared shitless, right? Huh. I should mention that this is the definition of grizzly territory. There's zero chance all of phone service and, and day hikers don't even come out here. Even really experienced backcountry hunters don't come out here if they can help it. Oh, it would be really nice to meet some other thru-hikers right now. Alright, I'm gonna change the subject for my own sanity. Um, I finally finished that book I picked up in BAB, Undaunted Courage by Stephen Ambrose. It's about the Lewis and Clark expedition and its path through the Bitterroot Mountains, traveling westward through the Rockies toward the Pacific. That makes sense. <laughs> um, I learned so many things about that expedition that I didn't know before. I had no idea that Meriwether Lewis killed himself after the expedition. Like the guy was struggling to reassimilate to civilized life so badly that he put a pistol in his mouth, but he missed when he took a shot and it took him hours to bleed out. Apparently, the innkeeper at his place he was holed up and found him trying to slit his wrist and throat with a razor. Wait, I wrote it down. Let me just get my phone out. Hmm, this is a letter from the innkeeper's wife. They found Captain Lewis busily engaged with cutting himself from head to foot with his razor. Ah. Oh description just kills me like he was trying so hard to die and couldn't manage it he struggled his whole life with what modern historians think might have been manic depressive disorder though those things they weren't understood at the time or i guess they were less understood than they are now but Ambrose hypothesized that while Lewis was outside, leading the expedition across the wilderness with the dozen men like living and dying by his command, he was more in control. It gave him purpose to direct something, to achieve something. But when he finished, he just couldn't rest. Couldn't adjust to life as a political pawn after his revolutionary journey. So he did things like running his money into the ground. He failed as a governor. He was a destitute and alcoholic. We never hear this part of the great Lewis and Clark story. I mean, I gotta admit, I didn't pay much attention in school, but it doesn't surprise me that whoever taught me about the Lewis and Clark expedition whitewashed the heroic narrative to make it more palatable. A nuanced hero coping with mental health problems? (laughs) That's impossible. It is kind of taken for granted these days though that they were racists. I mean, of course they were, all of them were. Captain Clark? His right-hand man was a slave, and he made him work for free the entire expedition, despite trusting him as much as any member of his party. And then when they got back to Missouri, his slave, York, asked him if he could not even be freed, but just be reunited with his wife and kids, and Clark said no. It's all kinds of fucked up. Don't get me started on Sacagawea. Lord. Another fun thing I learned. There's a supernatural mystery attached to the story of Lewis and Clark. I wrote this down, too. Uh, this is from Lewis's journey. Since our arrival at the Falls, uh, he's referring to the Sioux Falls in South Dakota, I think, we've repeatedly witnessed a noise which proceeds from a direction a little to the north of west, as loud and resembling precisely the discharge of an ordinance of six pounds at the distance of three miles. I was informed of it by the men several times before I paid any attention to it thinking it was thunder, and most probably which they'd mistaken, but at length walking in the plains the other day, I heard this noise very distinctly. It's perfectly calm and clear, and not a cloud to be seen." It goes on and on, but like, basically, the Minotaur tribe warned Lewis about these mysterious thundering noises, but he ignored them, thinking that there must be a scientific explanation. But the sounds came at odd intervals. Not like the extrusions from caverns and geysers, like what they'd come across in Yellowstone. And it could be weather, because these loud booms happened under clear blue skies. It's called the mystery of the artillery of the Rockies, and it still persists to this day. What's weird is, I feel like I've heard these sounds before. Mountains making loud, inexplicable booming noises like they are stretching and groaning under their own weight. Oh, hold on a second. What's up? Welcome to day two in the Bob. My name is Monarch and I am fuming. Okay, let me set the scene. Last night finished up pretty uneventful. I hopped off my recorder, banged out a few more miles, not listening to music because duh, grizzly territory and I'm totally alone. So of course the darker it got, the more sounds I heard were imagined in the woods. I set up camp after 23ish miles next to a little stream. I got water, washed my feet off. And I slept well, woke up this morning feeling really good. I was packed up and out of camp at like seven thirty. And then around nine, I saw a person. A real life person. He was solid, not a hallucination or a hologram. He was also a fucking creep. I saw him from a distance and he saw me at the same time. He was, he was coming up the trail towards me and he was wearing bright orange hunting vest, and he had a rifle in his hands. Okay, I'm going to be completely honest here. Um, I didn't grow up around guns. My dad, in true bleeding-heart liberal fashion, never had one, never wanted one. So I've always been uncomfortable around them. I had a boyfriend in college who was also really into guns, and also, coincidentally, into getting into bar fights and sometimes pushing me around. So I wouldn't call it 100% causation or anything, but I've just always been wary around firearms and people who like them an inordinate amount. But this guy is clearly on a hunting trip. He's allowed to have hobbies, I guess. And I haven't had a conversation with another human in 48 hours. So I swallowed my discomfort and approached him with a smile. I called out, hey, when I was still a few yards away. And he stopped and let me cross the distance between us, which was kind of an initial power move that I hated because I saw his eyes flick up and down my mud splattered legs as I got closer, ugh. He asked what I was doing here, which is like the same question that everyone asked me, but I swear, I swear it sounded like he was up to something. He asked me if I was hiking alone. So, alarm bells started going off in my head and I immediately lied. I said, no, there's three other guys about a mile or so behind me. Total lie, but he looked me up and down and I kid you not, licked his crusty-ass, old, flaky lips and, like, stroked his rifle and then said, Well, there's only one of you. That must cause some problems with three guys. I don't even—I honestly I can't even remember what I said or how I left, but I think after seeing that slimy tongue loll over those lips, I pretty much sprinted out of there, and I've just been booking it ever since. I'm just—I'm mortified, and I'm scared— I didn't stop for lunch or anything. (sighs) Because this guy, he must have noticed pretty quick that three guys aren't a mile or so behind me. So what if he decides to come find me? Ugh, I'm just, I'm mad. I'm out here alone. Yes, is by choice, but it would have been nice to have a friendly conversation today. I'm scared out here, there's bears, and it's remote, and it's isolated. Do you know what a blowdown is? It's when a fully grown tree is sprawled out sideways on the trail and you have to climb over it or under it. They are the worst. Just <sighs> think about it, tree trunks are not smooth, the bark is rough. It has branches and sticks jutting out everywhere on it. There's like a million different ways for your shorts to catch, or your your shins to scrape, or your palms. So I am drenched in my own blood right now, and it's gross and exhausting, and slows you down a ton and sucks your energy. Hiking is supposed to be fun, but right now it's jumping and bushwalking and bleeding and sweating. And there's a 40 something year old creep with a rifle who knows I'm alone out here. As if I don't have enough to worry about! Oh my god. I'm just tired. Okay, bye. I'm sorry about the little tirade. I'm feeling slightly better now. So, I decided to hike 29 miles today, which is a ton for this early in the trail, but that guy creeped me out so much that I just wanna get as far away from him as possible. I'm finally almost to where I wanna camp and just traversing the last half mile of the Blue Lake. I've been staring at it on my topo map since this morning. Sounds so idyllic, so peaceful, like nothing bad could ever happen at Blue Lake, right? Oh, wow, there it is. Wow. It's gorgeous. I wish I, I wish I could explain it right now, um, exactly the way it is, but. Uh, it's a big lake. It's probably more than a mile across to the other side. It's encircled in this perfect basin of dark blue mountains. and the water is choppy because it's windy. and the sunset is reflecting a dull pink and orange in the water. It's a bit downhill from the trail right now. Maybe like 200 feet below me? This part about now, it's steep, but it looks like the trail is gonna switch back and traverse the shoreline, which is perfect for me to find a place to camp. I think, I think it looks pretty flat down there. Did you know the lake water is actually pretty gross? I mean, it'll be fine, given how beautiful and tranquil this place is. I'm sure the water has to be fairly clean. But of all the natural water sources, lake water definitely has a distinct flavor and is it's not great. It's kind of fishy. I don't really know how to describe it. The worst water, though, is rainwater. Believe it or not. I know it smells good, but trust me, it is just, oh my god. There's something in the water. It's swimming. I can't really make it out. It's like in the middle of the lake. Maybe I can, oh my God, what? Wow, it's, is it a beaver? I made that loud noise, like a tail, but I don't really, oh no, oh fuck. Oh my fucking God, it's a grizzly, it's a grizzly. Oh my God. I can make out its head. It's now it's like nosing around the water. Oh my god, this is so cool. Okay. I'm back. I'm uh, I'm still hiking. It's about 10 p.m. It's almost completely dark now. I pulled out my headlamp a few minutes ago and I have it on my head. Ready to go. I can't believe I saw a freaking grizzly bear swimming in a lake. What? What is happening right now? Oh, the freaking bob, man. Oh my God. So I watched it swim for about three minutes before I freaked out completely and started booking it away from the lake. And I've been booking it ever since. And I haven't stopped to eat or anything. I don't want to get my food on my pack. What if it smells something? What if it smells my food and comes after me? I don't know. I've been about three miles so far since the lake, and I kid you not, about a half mile away from the lake, I almost tripped over a freaking elk leg with skin and fur still attached, just lying in the middle of the trail. I don't know if it was a grizz. I mean, that doesn't really make sense. Grizzlies don't leave meat on bones, and they don't dismember animals like that just seem more like a mountain lion thing or a hunter thing oh my god the hunter I forgot about him okay I'm trying to convince myself that that guy just didn't somehow backtrack past me on the trail without me noticing and kill and dismember an elk in order to leave its bloody leg on the trail to scare me sounds crazy when I say so's crazy It's crazy, right? I'm just really paranoid right now. Who likes the ZDT so low? Who does this? Okay, hello there. Welcome back. It's day three and I'm alive. So neither Grizz nor terrifying lip-licking hunter man has killed me in the night, which is excellent news for me. In the sunny light of day, I'm realizing that I, I probably overreacted to the whole thing. Bear and man both. I remember slept last night at all. I hiked for probably another hour after I stopped recording and set up camp in a little grove of trees. A mile from the closest water source in either direction. Because water attracts animals, right? Including people. And I didn't eat my dinner. I just set up my tent. I crawled inside and laid there, staring at the lime green roof of my tent till dawn broke. Then when, when the sun was out, I actually fell asleep for a couple hours. When I got up, I had to retrieve my food bag from where I left it, down a huge hill from my tent, and over about a thousand boulders. I ate a granola bar, drank cold coffee out of a Gatorade bottle, and now here I am. Still kicking. Still walking anyway. Today I'm just I'm just gonna do 20 miles. I ended up doing like almost 33 miles yesterday. That is insane, especially for it being this early in the hike and there's all this difficult terrain with climbs and blowdowns. I just got freaked out by seeing that bear at dusk. I just lost it. My body hurts a lot. Pushing a 30 mile day really took a toll on me. I got these cuts on the side of my hips and my shoulders and collarbone from where my pack straps rubbed me raw. My feet are killing me. Every step feels like a thousand pins and needles driving through my heels. I'm being really dramatic, but honestly, I'm in a lot of pain. I wish I could just put in music and put my head down, but I'm still way too on edge from everything. It's really hot today. I'm at 14 miles for the day. And the sun is setting, and I'm about to give up and make camp. I've taken about a hundred breaks today. I just keep stopping and sitting on logs and staring at my scratched legs and cursing my existence. I'm climbing this huge thousand-foot climb right now. I wish I could say it was pretty, but it's all pretty much burn area. I should ask someone how recent this forest fire was. Seems like it must have been in like the past few years with the lack of undergrowth. My lips are really sunburned. I'm starting to feel kinda of bad for being grossed out by that hunter licking his lips. Cause I've been doing that all day today. <laughs> There's no shade today. Oh, I can't believe I'm only gonna hike 15 miles today. It's so pathetic. But hey, you know, I'm 33 yesterday. It's like I did 25 yesterday and I'm 27 today, wait, no, that's wrong. I can't do math while I'm climbing, leave me alone. I'm just gonna finish climbing this hill. There's supposed to be a water source near the top of the ridge, and maybe I'll be able to finish off this day with a nice view and a cold foot bath and a good night's sleep. There's nothing out here for bears to eat. haven't seen any scat in miles. Maybe the inhospitable nature of a burn area keeps graces away. Okay. I can't talk and also climb this thing. <sighs> Bye. <sighs> this is really nice. I'm, I'm set up now. The stream is basically nothing but a tiny trickle. But it's here. And it's cold. There's kind of an eerie, hazy sunset right now. It's smoky. There must be... A wildfire nearby, I don't know. My favorite thing about where I'm set up right now though is that there are people down below me. They look like maybe a horse packing tour. There's an older couple maybe in their 50s and a teenage boy. There's three horses tied to a burnt tree trunk and two brightly colored tents. One's red and small and one's a little bigger and it's it's beige with green trim. I'm sure they can't see me up here but I like being able to see them. It's making me feel slightly better just to know that there are other people in this godforsaken wilderness other than slimy hunter guy. I'm eating my dinner on a rock overlooking them. I made chicken ramen and I have a pack of Oreos for dessert, so life is very good. A couple's unpacking their things, bringing feed to the horses and The teenage boy is starting a fire, just going about normal camp things. I wonder what their story is. Maybe the teenager is a guide or something. Um, And they're a wealthy tourist from California, out in Montana for a real wild west adventure. The sun is so orange with the smoke. It's almost red. It's so saturated and pulsating. Aw. The couple just snuck a kiss next to the fire. (laughs) The teenager's turning his head away. Oh. Wait. There's a fourth person. he's standing at the edge of the camp, closest to where I am, and he's looking... Oh, my god. Does he see me? He's staring right at me. I mean, there's no way. How could he see me? It's a man. I can't tell how old. He's wearing a dark green jacket and blue jeans. I think. I swear I'm hidden. I'm behind so many rocks. I'm a mile or more away. Like up on top of a ridge. How could he see me? You'd have to know I was here. Nowhere to look. He's just standing there facing me to turn around eventually, right? Wait. Huh. So weird. The couple and the teenager are ignoring him. He's standing a few feet away from them, but none of them are acknowledging him. It's like that that's impossible. It's like they don't see him. Like they don't know he's there. He's still facing me. There are only three horses. Shh. Listen. Day six in the bob, it's so hot. It's all burnt trees, and there's no water. Oh, day seven in the bob. I hiked 32 miles yesterday. I'm ready to get the fuck out of here. Only 54 more miles to the highway. Day after tomorrow, I'll be there. I'll be out. I've seen six deer, three elk, one otter, and so 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 many cows. 29 miles yesterday. hoping to make the road before dark. I'm out of food. I want to tell you a story. A story about me and Jack. So we're twins. fraternal, obviously. People say that twins have special ESP or extrasensory perception for each other there are tons of bizarre stories. Coincidences documented across hundreds of years of human history. Identical twins raised thousands of miles away from each other that has never met. Having the same favorite flavor of ice cream. Both marrying engineers named Steve, both studying English in college and becoming paralegals, things like that. For the most part, Jack and I never really had that type of connection. But there was this one time, I think maybe we did, this is the night before Max's fourth birthday. Jack and I were eight. My mom had planned this huge party for him that was supposed to take place outside our lawn. I remember she was worried because the forecast had called for rain. It was early August and that day had been sweltering hot and humid. I was sleeping that night with my window cracked open to let the breeze in. There was this huge oak tree outside my bedroom window on the second floor. It was planted too close to the house. I can still hear the sound of its branches tapping rhythmically on my windowpane. It just tapped lightly when the breeze was soft, but when the wind really howled, it sounded like something furious was clawing at it, fighting its way into my room. It might have been that noise that woke me up a little past 3 a.m. My mom is sure that's what it was, but it doesn't explain why Jack woke up at the exact same time in his own bedroom, which was on the other side of the house and far away from my tree. And he and I both woke up with the same thought. Max is in danger. I ran to Max's room, threw the door open, and Jack's feet were right behind mine. Max was still asleep, a thumb in his mouth, and Jack and I just looked at each other, mouths open, like, what are you doing here? Max was fine. At least that time, Max was fine. My name is Laura Munsell. I'm the creator of Monarch. The team and I are so excited to get this story out onto the world, and we have really big plans for this season. To find out more about how you can get involved and help support the show, go to monarchcast.com and follow us on Instagram at monarchpodcast. Thanks so much for listening.